Welcome to Rule a World 3D. I am your podcaster and usually storyteller, Daniel Isham. I have decided to do something different. I wanted to invite uh, guest storytellers from my favorite podcasters. The first one who gave me the idea from his podcast, well, let me introduce him. I've been listening to him for many years. Him and his friend Eric and Jordan did a show called Lorehammer, which taught the rich Warhammer 40,000 lore for hundreds if not thousands of hours. It was an amazing, most episodes I listened to multiple times. He currently does an amazing show with his friend Christian, where they read uh, audience stories from the Warhammer 40,000 universe. This amazing podcast is called Lorehammer Listener Lore, and I highly recommend listening to it. This amazing podcaster's name is Mark. I hope you find him as an amazing uh, storyteller as I did a podcaster. He is, he's going to be, it's amazing. I'm looking forward to hearing your comments. Today we are going to take a segment from Professor Jason Hippo from the University of Bob on his speech on the 100th expansion. As we all know, there are there are many reasons for the 100th expansion. The main reason, though, was the desire for individual super companies to find resources and new markets. For all their products, the galactic marketplace had gotten so powerful that literally trillions of exploration vessels went into the vast darkness of space, each holding thousands of cutting-edge probes. The they brought some of the best diplomats money could buy and archaeologists they could exploit lost technologies or future tourist sites. Up to that point, that was the largest attempt to colonize space that had ever been attempted. Ten times as many colony ships as there were exploration vessels. Science exploded even compared to the first computer age, space age, to what came before this scientific explosion blew that one away. Things like replicators became a common thing throughout the galaxy, though some societies quickly went from newly established villages being intersolar competitors. This was quite a shock to these barbarians. Many people embrace the primitive religious faith and try to preserve their way, but the people on these front lines of the colonizations are worshippers of Absalom and are just after making themselves rich just after making themselves rich for both the present and afterlife. Thus, except for the show, they weren't going to preserve these people's way of life any more than they had to make money. The galactic nation had little to no power in these colonies, seeing many of these corporations claim Mangacorp status, and thus claiming themselves as nations. The biggest of these, and considered the most foolish for growing too fast, was the Aisha Corporation. Owned and run by a small family, CEO was always chosen from amongst the family and educated in the field in some of the best schools. Many proved themselves worthy, found a way to becoming CEOs of competitor businesses or to start their own and make it huge success, make it a huge success, but never as well as their family business. The Aishim family are, to this day, devoted Absalom worshippers and usually only hire members of the faith. Their company started as a space freight company using the Stargate network to track material in from one end of the galaxy to the next. In less than 100 years, they had expanded to 
every possible industry. That's what got them to start the 100th Great Expansion. The company realized three things. First, that many of the companies were expanding their product line through xenotechnology, through xenoarchaeology, by getting long lost technologies from long dead races. These companies were making four or five times as much money as they made before. They also realized that even with replicators, most materials created by them weren't as high quality and that their companies had few worlds under their control to produce these resources. Finally, they realized they could produce what they wanted the way they wanted. They found in the laws that they would become a megacorp. Soon after that, that they switched their space docks from producing ships to be sold to private companies, individuals, and militaries, solely producing explore, exploration vessels. They scoured worlds of space crews to send out on these vessels. Instead of paying the captains, they would simply give them a percentage of the total earning of the world. They discovered this would be part of the company's undoing, seeing that most of these captains were priests of Absalom, and the priesthood is protected by the base law firm, who each member is a high priest of the faith, and is most feared is the most feared law firm in the galaxy. The lawsuit itself nearly destroyed the company of the captains versus the Aishan Corporation, which was a $900 trillion lawsuit, plus the paying back of the original agreed-upon cut. The result of these exploration missions found several million star systems, as well as hundreds of millions of colonies. As some worlds, the population turned certain thriving worlds into ghost town worlds. Because so many got the colonization fever, and the widespread belief of Absalom. Other companies saw that the Aishan Corporation was doing, and a massive profit from it, and the freedom that becoming an intergalactic megacorp gave them. Their biggest competitor in this land grab was the Fruit Corporation, which is most famous for starting out as an underwear manufacturer. Their second most profitable product outside underwear was Space Product, which, just like the Ashen Corporation, they shipped into producing exploration vessels. And just like the Ashen Corporation, they took as many crews as they could for these ships. At first, this was profitable enterprise, but it led to the second blow of being a megacorp. The cost of running a nation are different than running a company. With native pirates, natives and pirates, and real nations trying to take claimed territory, each company had to use a large portion of their profits hiring and raising militaries of all types to defend the bottom line. The cost of diplomats, the cost of po policing their worlds, the cost of what the company had as a standard of living, or even beyond that, the convincing people to go out into space. Another nation state nation state's cost they didn't consider is building the maintenance of their space, their famous corporate Stargate network, which could link into the public Stargate network. The cost of maintaining and policing the spaceways, the waterways, the highways, etc. After a few centuries, these costs were putting the megacorp companies down to zero or below in profits and starting to make these companies go bankrupt. So what happened to the colonies they were supporting? They left them on their own. Some were able to become part of an established nation. Others died off. Others, like like those, like the one established on Bob, which we know as the Aishan Empire, the, those who followed this path 
had different levels of success from degrading to cave people tribes to becoming intergalactic powers in their own right. This expedition changed the face of the galaxy and is affecting is in effect mutual stay. So what do you think? Yeah, that's very cool. Um I've read some of the other stuff that you've written too so when i was going through this and piecing it all together uh, i was kind of putting together notes of mostly this but some of the grander scheme of things but you paint such a rich imagery where you're 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 painting this futuristic universe with elements such as like space exploration cutting-edge probes replicators uh intergalactic mega corporations uh th this this imagery really helps bring the setting to life and i have a further question about kind of let's call it the vibe like sure you know I, i'm a warhammer 40k player so the vibe of warhammer is grim dark uh I feel like the vibe of this is more like almost Star Trek, where it's almost... Yeah, there are some dark aspects to it, but it's more hopeful. It's about exploration. Is that kind of the correct... Well, it just depends on... we have. I have multiple different society levels. Sure. The one I chose for this particular empire was Star Trek level. Okay. So, yeah, I guess it really is a Star Trek level, but it's also a very... Uh, Ferengi Star Trek level. Yeah, that was my next point. Like, yeah, even though it's Star Trek-like, like, Star Trek is uh, all about, uh, like, socialism and everyone works together. No one's getting paychecks. Where This is the exact opposite. People are going to be out there getting paid. Yes, people are getting paid. And in the next episode, I actually talk about how angry how angry the uh, colonists are that the company left without telling them. Yeah. <laughs> and cool. because they don't get any more pay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I like how you're expanding the universe slowly. Um, like each little kind of segment, we're getting this next piece of the world and the stories mm -hmm. unfolding. Uh, and you provide the motivations behind like, you know, these different factions, the 100, the 100s expansion and their colonization efforts and all that kind of stuff. Um, I really kind of like this, like, you know, the hardest part of doing a story is where do you start? But you kind of start, and I feel like there's a good flow kind of building. Yeah, I uh, I take a lot of ideas from history, from podcasts I listen to, from, oh, from all over the place. Like, I got the idea for how this company grew from... The, uh, from a YouTube video I watched about the, the company on Alien, the Alien franchise. Uh, yeah. I can't remember the name of the company, but they started out as a frozen dinner corp company and then became the one that you see in the movie Alien. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And you got but, your wear bandits going on that are now not. They're better than yeah. that. Yeah. Well, the, the way the the whatever the name of that company and aliens it's a make it's a megacorp just like this one yeah yeah they actually rule over multiple different colonies just like this one does yeah and i had the idea that you know after so many centuries and millennia of exploiting territory you need to get resources from somewhere if you're going to expand to be a powerful corporation yeah uh here, here's an interesting question D does like the ashem empire have like Aisham? I, I simply use my last name <laughs> does it have like uh a set of rights that it gives to its citizens um or or since they kind of work for the corporations it's like yeah you got a couple people that are kind of making money and living their life but everyone else is kind of more of like a slave class you know no no it's uh i've read the wealth of nations so i'm kind of basing it on the ideas that it has there that cool. everybody goes yeah in uh my previous episode uh 
I actually talked about how to get people to go out there, they talk about the standards of living, mm-hmm. which include a replicator in the kitchen, uh, places to, to make a standard uh, cookie cutter house with all of the amenities, plus all the standards that well, a normal Republic uh, person receives as rights and privileges. Yeah. There. So it is very beneficial to be a part of it. Like that you yeah. get treated fairly and if you work hard you will make some money. You'll make lots of money. Yeah. Because Absalomism is all about making money. Uh, let me just give you an idea of how, how crazy Absalomism is. Their temples are used as their central banks. <laughs> Perfect. Their, their equivalent of local churches are basically bank branches and in order to be a regional leader of the church, you have to be the best uh, lawyer. <laughs> and accountant. <laughs> well, the best lawyer in the area because all the high priests are also are also required to be members of that law firm I was telling you about. Yeah. So, so yeah, tell me more about this religion. Like, so they worship money. Um... Oh, they worship a god who who's a, all about wealth, trade, and progress. Yeah. It... Is this god a real god, or have you thought about kind of that, or kind of how did this happen? Uh, I'm a bit. I'm also a fan of Starfinder and Pathfinder. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And he's one of their. I doing a bit of tr- uh, changes, but he is originally one of their gods. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I've simply made some tweaks here and there, so to uh, yeah, yeah, to fit him in a little bit better and make him your own. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Uh, another thing I really like about this are the, uh, the, like, the themes for exploration and change. Like, you know, there's scientific advancement, there's exploration, there's colonization, there's religious beliefs and all these different, uh, impacts that they have on everyone that they're meeting, like in the mega corporations. I, I, I like that you're going like, this sounds pretty political and like pretty like, uh, economical. That's not the right word, but you know, like, I like that, like, this isn't necessarily always about who has the biggest army or like, um, it, it's who can get to the planet first and strip mine it. That's who's going to be profitable, not who's going to wage yeah. the biggest war. You know, it's yeah. a very interesting take on it. And in the board game, I, I'm basing this on a world-building uh, 3D printing board game that I, me and a friend are creating. And to win the game, you don't need to conquer the people. You could buy them out. You could diplomatically remove them. <laughs> <laughs> or any, or uh, buy, make them so weak that you could annex them. That kind of fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. The uh, pieces of military... I've always had a... Uh, power fantasy of being a ruler of a country <laughs> and, and and after i saw this uh this guy who made what i use as the board calls himself his company the raccoon brotherhood he's <laughs> he's, the, he's this teacher from the netherlands who does this on the side i said to myself yeah i'm gonna make a board game that allows me to live this fantasy <laughs> yeah 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 i like I that think I think that's also what got me into Warhammer. Yeah, yeah. As a 13-year-old boy, you're like, I want to be a big, tall buff man and shoot aliens. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. And, well, as I told you er- earlier in our discussion beforehand, I I went into political science originally, so... 
Yeah, and you can definitely tell how, like, you know, your choice of interest in real life is bleeding into this. Um, I really like it. Uh, I like the, the plot points, like how the corporation transitions from a small space freight company to, uh, an exploration for, for an exploration focused organization and the clash between the captains and the corporation and financial challenges. Like this mega corporation stuff. What I like about this is like, I can see this happening. Like, we're close to this spot right now. Like, go look at uh, BlackRock, you know? They own a lot of stuff right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's a scary trans- scary kind of dark version, you know, of things, but at the same time... Well, it actually did ew. happen. It actually did happen at one time. Uh, you've heard of the British East India Company. Yeah, for sure. They actually, they literally took over India with an army. Yeah. And they found that a company and a government and a nation are entirely different beasts that's why they eventually had to give give it over to uh, the british crown because they just it's not a country's not profitable <laughs> yeah no they they just take your hard-earned money and then spend it on nonsense <laughs> well you also have armies are really expensive yeah navies are expensive basic civil services are expensive like roads roads aren't free you know yeah like that's the thing there are easier ways to do mass collateral damage without having to fire guns especially when we're talking about like you know futuristic quantum computing hacking you know yeah well in my next episode i actually talk about how they're they consider different nation states like uh techocracy have you ever heard of the concept yes for sure for sure where the idea that you get a supercomputer to be your head of state? Yeah. Yep. I I actually consider that my next episode. Yeah, that will be interesting. Like, that's another one where it's like, you're taking these themes that we are talking about in real life and playing them out and see how seeing how that would actually work out. I, I don't want to be run by a computer, but I hope it works out for that uh, country. Well, this country's going to be ruled, at, ruled by an emperor. Uh, he actually explains why he... Dis- in the next episode, he actually explains why that's a bad idea to be run by a computer. Yeah. How how populated is this galaxy? Uh, like, are there tons of aliens, or is it kind of... Yes, there are. Uh, one of the things... Me and my friend are aliens at this point. I suggested he be. I think I even have one of my diplomats' uh, figurines as an orc. <laughs> nice okay but yeah it, it has lots of aliens yeah uh, but so far we only have two countries because yeah that's one of the things i'm trying to do with the podcast is get people in on in on the game i'm using my patreon to uh get people into into Ooh. the game so that i have lots of countries going at each other <laughs> yeah 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 and it's cool like you could easily just always add a new startup corporation that's making a name for itself and making moves and yeah 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 or an or an alien who's or an alien caveman that's just getting out of because in this work on this planet this planet used to be completely populated yeah but they had a fairly large civil war that'll happen and so you could get cave people coming out of the cave that survived this uh war yeah yeah like that that's a that's such an interesting little uh thought like you know the planets or the galaxy is so big you can have these futuristic people next to these cavemen (laughs) well you've heard of the uh the seven levels of civilization haven't you i've heard of it but i don't think i could name them all refresh teach me my friend uh each one uh level one is civilization that can control their planet power energy source uh 
the second one is solar system, and then it goes on and on from there. Okay, okay. So I actually go beyond those levels on civilization. Like after level seven, it's the new digital age, and I can't even imagine what that would look like. Yeah. <laughs> or the age of the great machine, or <laughs> temporal age. Oh, uh, I don't even name what the, the three peak technological and social ages are. I just call them the bronze, silver, and gold golden age of civilization. But sure. there could be civilizations that come from those that build their nation based on that technology that kind of technology and what they imagine it would be yeah yeah very cool uh yeah it's just every little story you could have a thousand little stories break out from it um you know different like it become the new gw yeah <laughs> yeah every colony can have a different varying level of success and yeah they have their own kind of technology style and all okay. yeah uh i got i still got a couple questions for you about all sure. that we can round sure. them off sure. uh, how did the galactic market become so powerful and what were the implications of expansion efforts do you uh, did it have any drawbacks or negative consequences well it's capitalism so <laughs> i think the biggest negative con as i talk about in this in the story, one of the big negative consequences is they don't really care about uh, what happens to natives. Sure. It's, they're just a new market. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As well as it depletes resources galaxy-wide. Uh, those who control the, even with replicators, people like their real stuff, so it draws a lot of that. Yeah. And the reason it, it became so productive is because I simply looked on the current, uh, what's it called? The, how things are currently going with business yeah. worldwide. I mean, even communist countries like China are, uh, are moving toward being a more capitalistic type society. Yeah. Yeah. To some degree, they are for sure. They're, they're this weird amalgamation now for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, right. My my next question would be about like the faith. Um, like I would just like to hear a little bit more. Do you have like the founding member? Uh, was their decree passed on from that god, or is it all interpreted? Uh, they have a prophet who who says he speaks to the god face to face. Yeah, and he he lives on their home the home world where this originally started, renamed Absalomism. Absalomum. Or it's really hard to pronounce because I yeah, didn't yeah, think yeah. of the word. And it, he's he is the prophet of uh, of the corporation, and the twelve richest people are his apostles. <laughs> Crazy, yeah, cool. Okay, it's all about making money. Yeah, making money. Uh that's cool. What were some? Have you come up with like any cool? technologies or like relics that they've discovered on the way that have like maybe galaxy impact and consequences or like the gene seeding i mean not gene seeding world seeding that's warhammer <laughs> the world seeding technology yeah okay you see, one of the big problems is is cloning traits inbreeding really quickly and that degenerates your society very quickly i mean it would collapse a, a civilization like two or three generations so what, so what they found was a technology that allowed them to accelerate growth on donor fertilized donor eggs and accelerate the growth. But they also it also allowed for the individual in the that's being grown to be in a VR world and have. Uh, do you know what compressed time is? No, tell me more. Okay, 
I got this from originally from Outer Limits. In the Outer Limits episode, they were able to put people in prison for years and centuries mm. in just minutes. Yeah, okay. Okay. So the idea is is that when you're you want people to be able to do all the jobs and have a life, but you don't have time to wait to wait. So the gene seeding is for colonies that have low populations or are needed to expand quickly. Yeah, yeah. So so these donor eggs, they donate they get millions, if not billions, of donor eggs for each <laughs> world. And it's kinda like the creed. <laughs> yeah. Corpse of creed, except that they actually give them lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And purpose and uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that that's such an interesting concept of yeah, you close your eyes for a minute and when you've opened them you've you now have 10 years of knowledge and skills and experience. Very yep. cool. Yeah, I can see how that would be like, yeah, one of the biggest impacts on the galaxy for sure. Just the ability to reproduce and the ability to negate time. Yes. And they, they actually, when they leave their chambers, they're actually full adults. Yeah. They, uh, from whatever university they go to in their virtual world, they'll have legal accreditations. <laughs> if they marry in the virtual world to somebody who's actually real and not a virtual character <laughs> when they come out they will be they will be legally married to that individual so what happens in the virtual world have it has legal implications yeah okay so they, they they do definitely try to keep that virtual world like uh uh useful and well maintained like you're not just going on there to run around and drive cars through mobs of people and live out your darkest fantasies it's it's there for yeah, it's there Regional to and reproduce. It's reprodu there for it's for it's for the the world seeding. As yeah. I said, this is a relic that they found on another world. Yeah, that they simply adapted to using uh, for them. I yeah. believe I set the time for thirty days from the time that the egg is given to the time that they get out. Okay, yeah, so that's crazy. Yeah, so 30 days and 20 years of experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. That's such a cool concept. Um, I guess my final question I kind of had was, and this is more just kind of going down that thought trail of like, I, I love seeing all the details that you put in, but it just makes me want to lift up rocks and be like, what's under here? And just I the different types of colonies degrading into like primitive tribes and stuff and the colonies being left up to their own devices like there's just so much opportunity there to write anything oh yeah that's why i left it there yeah is, uh, is so that i could so if i finish this game we can explore another world yeah or yeah i i always appreciate like that's one of the big draws for me for warhammer 40k is like being included in the story writing process or in the you know actual world a little bit more as opposed to being just like an observer like we're observers of the star wars universe because we're not out yeah. there writing books for it you know yeah, and even yeah. they're not the same thing well when you write like a, a 40k short story like most people will accept that as like relatively canon you know yeah i agree i i, I like that you have this opportunity for engagement essentially oh yeah i love community that that was my favorite thing on my last podcast nice and i'm trying to make my patreon the most inclusive part of the thing so that you know they can they can write 
great stories for me to actually put on the podcast. Very cool. Yeah, I might have to write something up. Oh, sounds good to me. I'd love to read it. <laughs> Do you have any more questions? No, I think that was all. I, I really like it. I really like all the different little world building things and how it stacks up. And I like the kind of the theme of it's 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 economic, it's political. Um yeah, I like capitalism. I like making some money. I like it. So do I. Don't make enough. <laughs> yeah, no, but you can always make more. Oh, yeah. Well, if you ever want to read a book uh, that was written by a guy that was 200 years before you or I were born, yeah. that knows more about what's going on today, Wealth of Nations. That guy, that guy knew Nations. everything that was, that's going on today. Yeah, okay. Wealth of Nations. I might have to give that a peek. I couldn't get through more than a third of it before my brain exploded. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I'll listen to somebody give me a synopsis on YouTube. <laughs> you probably should. It's that, that guy was, yeah, he was a genius. Nice. He's what capitalism is based on. Okay, okay. What was his name? Adam Smith. Adam Smith. Okay, I've heard of the name for sure, yeah. Yeah, I actually named the, uh, in the first episode of, of this podcast, I actually named the ship after him. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I was going to name it the Invisible Hand, like uh, in Star Wars. They took mm. that from Adam Smith, believe it or not. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. So it was. I am. I am happy to have. I am so glad to have you. I hope you come again sometime. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. I had a great time. Thanks for having me on your show. The next guy I'm inviting is he does a Norse uh, a Norse mythology podcast. Oh, very cool. That's going to add a whole nother element of uh story ability like bringing kind of some of that what he kind of sees interwoven I, I think me and you are very similar i think we're both kind of fascinated by like you know how the world works how money works how you know things actually interconnect um yeah, yeah so always getting like that different world view of how now he sees how you've written this story it'll be it'll be a good episode i'm sure well i hope he says yes <laughs> well you send him this episode and say look at the fun we had you can, you can have fun too i will <laughs> cool thank you so much for having me oh no problem I, I look forward to our next time we get together and keep making keep making those lower hammer listening lords i love listening to them <laughs> yeah i'm having a blast with them too <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you guys want to come check out me on uh, any of my stuff, check out Lorehammer Podcast. It's uh, one of the biggest 40K podcasts. Also, come check out Lorehammer Listener Lore. I share people's short stories, give a little feedback. Oh, I really liked when the orc cut off the Space Marine's head. You know, very easy stuff. Uh, and if you're looking for something a little less nerdy, which I don't know why you would, come check out me and my girlfriend's podcast. It's called Pillow Talk with Mark and B. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hang out with you guys, chat more. So, the last episode I listened to before recording this because this is a couple months before it will actually go out. Yeah. S scary stuff that was written by a computer. <laughs> scary stuff, man. Crazy stuff. Like, what was, yeah, what was so scary about uh, the lore that chat GPT wrote is I didn't prompt it too much. And it came out with like some crazy dark kind of thoughts. And you just think, oh, so that's the collection of human knowledge, I guess. And that's what happens. It, yeah. Dark implications, man. Yeah. Well, it was fun to have you on board. <laughs> I have you on board today. Yeah, man. It was fun. We leave you on a heavy note. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to try that one out sometime for my lore. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you again for coming. And, Thanks. Uh, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Yeah, adios, amigos. All right, bye. Thank you for joining our podcast today. Today, our storyteller was Mark. 
and he's always welcome to join us. You can catch him on reruns of Lorehammer podcast and currently on Lorehammer Listener Lore. If you want to help guide the show and play the game this is based on, join our Patreon. The link is in the podcast description. If you can't do that, we'd love to have you join the community. Links to our Facebook and Discord are in the description. We'd love to see you there. Thank you for joining us, uh, as well as Mark. Hope to hear from you all and to see Mark again.